Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees Podcast Season 7 Episode 1. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray Blanford from the All About Sites. And I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. Welcome back, gents, to Season 7. Rocking. It's been, uh, well, slightly longer than we planned, hasn't it? Right, no, but yeah, we've been busy people. We have been busy people, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it would be nice, actually, just to uh, perhaps welcome some of our new listeners. we looking at the stats. There's a lot of people who've joined listening, and perhaps they don't know about us or what we do or, or, or why they they've made might... a very good choice. They've made, they've, these people have obviously discerning listeners mm. who've made a good choice, but I think it might be nice just to tell them a little bit. So, uh, Rafe Blanford, uh, you can combine that with telling us your news. So my background is that I run the All About Symbian and subsequently the All About Windows phone sites, uh, but recently I've had a little bit of a change. I'm now working at Digitest LBI in London. It's a, a big digital agency that sort of concentrates on blending between different skills and digital transformations. I uh, started as a, a mobile strategist and actually we're recording in the offices here in Brick Lane and so we've got a nice swanky new recording studio for Thank 361. You, we have a new central London recording studio which is absolutely fantastic and I, I always actually assumed that your time with All About Symbian was some kind of community service for sins of the past and I just maybe that the sentence had expired. So, uh, And I should emphasize that of course that still continues still very much going all about Windows Phone. There's been a lot of activity there, which hopefully I can talk about later in the season without being pillared too much by my uh, fellow commentators. You can rely on us. Absolutely, but congratulations on your new job because it's a, mm. it pains me to say it, but it is a pretty prestigious place to be. So uh, they've, ch- they've chosen wisely, Blanford. I think we have. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Mr. McLeod. Uh, right, the background for me is an entrepreneur. I've been through the ringer quite a few times. I had some successes, many failures. Uh, I also run Mobile Industry Review, which has about a million less readers a month than Blandford. And Blandford has about a million readers a month. No, hold on a minute. No, hold on. <laughs> oh, I didn't do the calculation correctly. I, I've got some readers, and most of them are executives in the mobile world. Uh, I also do consulting, uh, consulting for Royal Bank of Scotland at the moment. Uh, it's been very, very busy. And uh, what sort of what sort of things do you consult on? Uh, in- interactive properties. Blimey, I don't even know what that what? is. Yeah, d- um, digital things. Digital things. I don't want to bore you. No, well, mm. and, and to be honest, well, thanks for asking. Not being successful already. <laughs> and uh, um, my name is Ben Smith. I am. I write wireless worker occasionally, not mm. very, not very frequently. I should put more effort into that. You should. You should. It's a, an, an, we a, miss you. An attempt to document my wireless working lifestyle, and uh, I also in my in the time when I'm not blogging, I am head of mobile at a company called Tribal Group. We make software for the education market and my particular interest is in making at the moment software for uh, people who do mobile learning. This season Ben we're going to focus a little bit more on topics and get away from reporting on news and we've always tried to do that but Maybe you could just talk a little bit about the format for this season. Mm. Yes, new season, new format. Live. So, live. so uh, this season, we're going to do what we did last season in terms of talking about the things that interest us about mobile, and we're going to keep doing that. But one of the things, one of the great things about being here in London and uh, being you know, sort of working across the mobile industry is that we meet people who know stuff all the time. And so what we're going to do is in, in season seven is we're going to bring in some experts to talk to us about you know, things, that, things that they know about and, and interesting topics. We're going to get some advice. Um, we're going to um, you know, reference the things that we're interested in and also try and, try and look at the big picture issues. So we won't really be looking at the news so much, but what we will do is pick out the, the, the stories behind the news and talk about why they're happening and what they're doing. Today's topic is the future of mobile and what is coming. So the future of mobile, and we're particularly thinking that we would look at networks because we've properly slagged off networks in the past for being 
boring, uninteresting, lacking oh, yes. innovation. Yes. And to a certain extent, that's probably true. But none of, accurate. none of us actually ever work in networks. And so it's uh, my pleasure to welcome uh, Dan Lane, who is currently head of special projects at Truefone. And by the time I think this goes out, Dan, you're going to be chief operating officer at Simwood uh, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. So, first of all, we talked about Truefone loads on previous seasons, but we got some new listeners and people might not be familiar with it. So just fill us in on on what you've been doing today and then we we can talk a little bit about the future afterwards. Yeah, so Truefone is actually the world's first global mobile operator, which means you can get a SIM card from Truefone, use it in pretty much any country in the world, and uh, the costs are pretty low. And in certain countries, it's the same price as if you were just at home. And so today's today's topic is about the future of mobile networks. And so mm-hmm. what we want is, you know, you to you to help us understand is we've we've really slagged off mobile networks in the past because we we haven't really thought that they were very exciting. Rightfully so as well in many respects. I'm, I'm pleased. To, I'm pleased to hear that. I'm, I'm, valid, my view is validated by one person. Therefore, I think it's it's true. But so because you've done because you've done all this work, and, and actually perhaps you can tell us about Simwood and, and how you like sort of what you're going to be doing in the future lays, lays into this. We thought what better what better than to bring Dan into the studio and ask him right what will mobile networks be doing in the future, but also what will what should mobile networks do? You know what are the opportunities and the possibilities that they might have. And can I just say that I, I've been following Mr. Lane here for, what is it, almost 10 years or something crazy like that. Probably about a decade, um, yeah. Uh, every, every year or so, he will come and chat to me, he'll drop me an email and blow my mind with mobile technology that looks amazing. But perhaps the biggest frustration I've had is all the cool stuff he's been showing me and, and I think lots of other people, um, I can never, ever have because it's always because he's got a special sim card that's got 17 different things i mean answer ben's questions <laughs> here but i, I want to know what should be coming next with networks and i also i'm ready to pounce <laughs> on you verbally because I, I, i'm anticipating what you're going to say and i think i shall destroy you you're, you're properly giddy and right. excited about having dan into you're exactly yes <laughs> i'm glad you're sitting on the opposite side of the table right now okay dan so that that i think that was like a three minute question <clears> you and threw at you but Let's go. Let, let, let's go from the top, which is, what is what things can you foresee mobile networks doing in the future? Yeah, so I'm pr- I'm pretty lucky at the moment because I'm 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 in between two different companies that have completely different approaches to mobile. So on one hand, we have we have the Truefone style, which is which is a big company that has big business customers, and and the requirements of those big big business customers differ from the stuff that we're going to be doing at Simwood, which is a, a, a wholesale company that's very innovative, very, very cutting edge, and it's a brand new mobile place. There's no existing customers to, to, to need to protect from, from scary innovation. So in, in the Truefone side, uh, for example, thing, something that was released recently was a, uh, a bundle. It doesn't sound very exciting, a bundle, but this is if, a bundle. If I'm honest, Dan, it doesn't sound It doesn't very sound very exciting. But, you know, this, this, is, this is the small bits of innovation that are happening today in mobile networks. We have a bundle that works in 66 countries, I believe it is, and uh, you can share minutes, data, and texts of all of your companies, members of staff, between them. And they, that, that ramps up to even things like uh, there's one bundle on there, one package you can choose, which has half a terabyte of data to use. In, in any of those 66 countries, in bundle. So do you think in the future that, that there won't be roaming? That, that oh, the definitely, idea- roaming's disappearing. Roaming in Europe is, is, is gone, you know, essentially. Um, and that, that's only going to get better. Well, you, know, we, you say that, but most of us are paying two or three quid a, a day. Well, give, it, give it a bit of time. Ro- roaming is disappearing in Europe. Roaming will disappear around the rest of the world uh, shortly. And it's companies like Truefone that are making that happen today. But that's, that's the corporate line. 
Uh, yeah, moving on behind the scenes, you know, uh, a bundle isn't very exciting, but it is in terms of business sense of things. But if you look at what's happening um, outside of uh, what's available today, I I think we're going to see mobile networks opening up more of the really smart things they can have inside. Um, so, years so, ago, a lot of us were just were just running around saying mobile networks should just be a dumb pipe. Just give us access to the internet. We'll sort ye, the rest out. Hear ye. Yeah, I was I was with you until until I tried to start my own mobile network and then went to work for a mobile network and got much more heavily into the network side of things. And actually, there are so many smart things happening inside the network that that just aren't exposed to everyone else. That when you get access to that, you can do some amazingly fun things that, such that as. really are ah, such as um, one of the really simple examples is um, in the HLR. And I know you're going to pull me up on that. It's home location register. Right. Don't come in here with your fancy <laughs> geek talk. So. In in the brain of the mobile network, brain. let's just let's just refer to that it is like Rafe that. Blanford's job is to use words we don't understand. All right. Well, well in the in, in the brain of the mobile network, in the core of the mobile network, it monitors everything that your SIM card is doing. So you pop up from the tube on your way here, and it logs onto the network. That creates an event in the HLR. So you can actually take that and do stuff with it. You could post out things. It's not an app on your phone that has to be running or has a background thing and pop up and do something. This is something that happens in the core of the network. It happens anyway. So there's no extra battery drain or anything like that. So you can take that data, and then you can say, right, actually, he's just popped up there. And maybe set some presence in something else, set some kind of business. Um, he's at work thing. now? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's arrived at work, he's doing this, blah, blah, blah. You expose that, and it doesn't actually matter what people do with it, because if they have access to that, they'll start doing stuff with it. And that's where it really starts getting exciting. It's not when the operators themselves do this, it's when they expose it to other people. And I think the things that we'll see that really change the world are things that we, in the operator's side of things, haven't thought of and won't think of. It's what the average person, who once they get access to these things, thinks up and thinks... Oh, that that I'm going to do. But all of a sudden, every cloud service that I, I use, either for me personally or perhaps for my business, could could hook up to the mobile network and get a, this rich series of bits of data or or send data into the network. To- exactly, exactly. I mean, one, one of the things um, that we, we're going to be doing at Simwood when we launch our mobile offering is we'll have a full API for the mobile network, when, ranging from you know getting events out, so when your SIM card does something, we'll push something out, to um, being able to control your call flow, right? So that, rather than just that sounds like a nasty medical condition. So, okay, so you have a call come into your mobile number, it rings your mobile. See, right? this, this is the kind of thing I've seen him demonstrating right before. So, yeah. I've I've been demonstrating this particular one for years, but actually getting a mobile network to change the network in a way that supports it is quite difficult. Right. So, tickets for it. Too. <clears throat> right. Phone rings. So, I ring your mobile number right now. It's assigned to that SIM card. That SIM card rings. Right. right. That's, yeah. that's the established protocol everyone yes. has. And you can divert that you can if divert you want. It, yeah. But I don't see why that has to be happen. Uh, mobile SIMs aren't assigned a mobile number. That's, that's, a, that's a mapping that happens in the network. Why, 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 why lock a mobile number to a SIM? And TrueFone do this. They have multiple numbers on one SIM all over the world. But I think it can be taken further. And, and one of the things we're doing at SIMWood is you can have a, a number come in, have it ring your desk phone, have it ring multiple mobile phones, multiple devices at the same time, whichever one answers, picks it up. It's quite a simple thing to do in terms of there'll be, there'll be plenty of techies listening going, I can do that with a free switch box. I can do that with asterisk, which are all software switches. But actually to do it in a mobile network is um, it's kind of difficult in an, in an existing mobile network. When you build something from scratch, it, it becomes a bit easier. So you'll be able to dynamically move numbers between SIM cards if you want to. So you'll be able to say, um, right, between, imagine, imagine a business scenario, an on-call mm-hmm. situation. 
Everyone has a work phone with their work number on it, but the on-call number dynamically switches between them depending on some kind of on-call rotor that's pulled out of calendar or something like that. With, a, with enough control, with enough, uh, with enough access through an API, that's really easy to build. So the question then arises for this is, how is it actually going to be controlled by the users and how flexible is it going to be for swapping services in and out, the idea of sort of mix and match? Is that something that's going to be possible in this future mobile network? I think what we'll actually see is once mobile networks open up APIs, you'll start to see a little ecosystem. And I really don't want to use the term app store, but... Go on. No, I don't. I'm not, I'm, I refuse to. Okay but a selection of apps that you can tie into your mobile network. So, for example, Truephone, one of Truephone's really good, unique selling points is that you can, they, do, they do recording in the network. If a network was completely open, other people could do recording in the network as well. So there's... And this, um, this is recording that I want, for example, like because I'm a company and I need to record my yeah, calls. Okay. Yeah, so, so there are certain regulatory uh, bodies uh, that require all calls to be recorded. So we talked about apps in the network... Dream big, Dan. Come on, tell us what else networks could do. In fact, actually, tell us, tell us, what, they, tell us what they should do to, to make themselves relevant and interesting to, to consumers again. What they should do um, is exactly what I said, open up. Um, can we talk about what they will do? Go on, then. Nothing. Nothing. Well, what, so why not? Okay, so let's look at what we've got right now. We've got operators that make a lot of money. Their revenues are dropping, but they're not dropping at a rate that they want to really cannibalize themselves. If you look at these traditional, or not even traditional, the modern uh, OTT services that people consider to be a disruptor, so we've got Skype, uh, Facebook with their messaging and voice, iMessage, um, Google, and all of those are disruptive technologies, and people look at them and say, oh, they're disrupting the operators. But if you took all of those companies, with the exception of Apple, you took all of those companies and um, put together their revenue, it still doesn't match the biggest MNOs. So you've got people like uh, Verizon and Sprint in the States, Vodafone over here. Their revenues exceed all of the OTT plays put together. Dan, we're out of time, so let's, let's, wrap, this, let's wrap this up. So close, closing thoughts from our special guest this week. If you could have one wish granted in terms of changing the way that operators work in the future to benefit consumers what would it be? I already have my wish because uh, we're going to be doing this with Simwood. So I'm going to get my own way. I'm going to launch a mobile network with uh, the API inter- inter- integration that I, I foresee being what really makes the difference in a mobile network. And I hope that no one in the big mobile networks even cares because it means we can sneak in there and uh, steal their lunch. And I look forward to doing that. So, gents, apps in the network, mm. APIs, um, not not dumb pipes anymore. What, 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 do, you, what do you make yeah. of it? You're looking pretty sceptical, Mr. McLeod. Well, I, I'm, I'm sceptical. I, I really, really, I'm not impressed with the mobile networks. I've been on record for a long time saying it's boring. They are doing nothing new. And, I, you know, I've given up, actually. I used to write a series on the kind of things that mobile operators should be doing. But, you know, I was talking to the wall because they, they aren't going to do this kind of thing. Anything new, anything exciting, typically. But then I, I do get the idea, I get the point of having a SIM card that does new, cool, funky stuff. And I, I could see myself going to Simwood, for example. Now, I'm making this up, we're just speculating that, I don't know, maybe if I gave them 25 quid a month, and that gives me a SIM that does X, Y, and Z, or maybe it gives me 10 SIMs, 
with one number and one data package. That, they, that could get quite exciting. I can see some possibilities there. Mr. Blanford? Yeah, I think it's a, a vision worthy of the Elysium fields. Like me. Um, but the sort of <laughs> fancy words. The commercial reality is that I'm not sure we're quite there yet, what Dan was talking about in terms of when an operator revenue is going to kind of force this thing to happen. So it hopefully will be the smaller providers, and I think particularly in the enterprise market when we start talking about unified communications, which in their current form feel a bit messy and actually do need the, the, the complexity or rather the redundancy of a mobile network to really operate properly. For me, the mobile of the future network is actually going to be more in the infrastructure in the sort of immediate future. Uh, this is things like heterogeneous network and more small cells. Just, just, ex just explain what you mean, because I, those are long words, and frankly, they make my make my ears bleed. So heterogeneous, genius. So that that means a network, the cells say, that make right. up a, a network, having the big existing cell towers and then smaller variations of that. Now that already exists, but we can actually imagine. Um, you know, it's femto cells, and it's a sort of like the Vodafone Shore signal technology, but actually done properly and not sort of hacked onto a, a broadband network. And so it can be things attached to lampposts, it can be um, installations into stadiums, and it can be just small base stations. But in theory, if we look a bit further ahead, it can even go down to things in individual rooms uh, and potentially appliances and things like that. I think that's further away, but it's how do you increase the capacity of the network as we move into 4G and subsequently 5G, you know, Ofcom here in the UK, uh, expect the sort of data going over the network to increase 22-fold, and you have to sort of increase capacity. Now, partly that's about the spectrum. It's going to be seven times bigger um, on 5G, but it's also about making the network denser, and the only way to really do that, you can't put in more big cell stations. You have to do it with small networks. And so that's what I mean by heterogeneous network. It's good because it makes it more reliable. It also has interesting implications for the energy consumption. You can actually switch bits of the network off overnight if they're not being used or put them into a low power mode because actually a base station can change how much power and therefore how much of the throughput it's got. And then it's all the virtualization stuff, which is a big theme at MWC, but you can use that to cut the costs of running a network and the infrastructure. And that can this both on the back end for all the kind of the billing stuff and the routing and all that, but also uh, for the baseband processing in the base stations themselves. I'm, so there's I'm, a lot I'm, of potential there. As your voice starts to crack, I'm going to jump in and let you grab some water. But <laughs> I, you see, the thing is, I'm kind of politely interested about the idea of, of everything becoming a cell tower, you know, complete coverage, complete high bandwidth coverage, right. and all this kind of stuff. And I think, oh, okay, that's nice, but that's just like saying, oh, you know, over the last few years, coverage has got bigger, um, bandwidth has got bigger, and let's just assume it all keeps going in a straight line. And I look at all these these over-the-top services that, that Dan mentioned, and I accept that the, the, the financially they are very small compared to the mobile networks. But the mobile, you know, any other business that stands still for a long time has somebody come along and, and sort of steal their customers and eat their lunch. And I think from a from a, an end user perspective, so us, not not you know, not big business, mm. not not the people who run the networks, not not maybe even the, the network operators saving money, they have to they have to do something to make it an interesting proposition because I can now get unlimited everything for a relatively small well, amount of money. Do they have to do anything? Because that, that's what Facebook and everybody else of these over-the-top, i.e. you run on top of your, your, your mobile service, your data connection, basically. They, they do this anyway. You, you don't need to do anything to make it better. You, you go to three, you buy your data connection. Thank you very much. 
right? I've, I already have brilliantly interesting services. Thank you very much. I don't need it from Vodafone or, or anybody else. But it, it feels like a, a, a missed opportunity because Dan was talking about the, the, the being hooked into the network. So imagine, right. imagine if Facebook, you, you know, Facebook could get a feed of, of information out of my mobile operator so that it tailored my experience based on the, the way that I was connecting, the way that I was connecting to it. Because yes. at, at the moment, it has to guess. It kind of uses some kind of location. Well, no, and this kind of stuff. Just to be clear, what it needs to do is for Facebook to be able to tell you where you are so you can say, I'm at this bar or I'm here or there. For that to happen, Facebook has to, uh, you have to give it permission on your, on your iPhone. You have to say, yes, I give you permission to look at my location. right? And then once you've given it permission, it then, then looks up your uh, position using a whole lot of different uh, services that are nothing to do with a mobile operator, right? It's either looking at the, the local Wi-Fi uh, base stations, and thanks very much to Google who've, who've gone around and had to drive a car around the UK to try and get all this data to, to, so that when you stand outside Liverpool Street Station here in London, it can go, you are roughly at Liverpool Street Station, therefore Foursquare says that there's this restaurant nearby, is that where you are? There's so much work has had to be done because these operators didn't think about this and weren't op- open to this. But we, you know what? We've already done it. The sad reality is Facebook has to take, uh, let's just um, flippantly say, every time you, you open your phone and say, I want to see where I am, it has to take half a percent of your battery, right? Because the operators weren't visionary enough to think about this. Rafe, uh, the, the, something that, that Ewan was just saying made me think, because I was thinking, well, what about fixed line operators? What could you learn from, from them? Because they don't put, any services really in their network they 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 might they might peer with people to get you the fastest route somewhere but they don't really offer offer services and the way that that, those services have evolved now is just to the point where they are completely commodity hugely high speed and all the problems that not knowing anything about the network used to present have just gone away over time because they've become less less relevant is is that actually not what will happen with with mobile networks that that the opportunities of all these you know, APIs, pings, context, data access into the network will will will, di- will diminish. I think it's too easy to conflate fixed and wireless. I actually think there's a lot more complexity. Rafe Bathurst, turn me off. Uh, and, I've just made a know, rookie mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's actually the potential for more intelligence. More to the point, it actually becomes important. Um, and I think the the point that Dan made, talking about the HLR records and that kind of intelligence pulling. And the important point is it puts context on the edge of the network. And what I mean by that is mostly in the fixed world, you know, you understand where the routing goes, but you don't have very much intelligence on the end of the network. And we don't actually have that in wireless at the moment either because operators behave in a fairly dumb way. And location is a good example of this. You could have that on the edge of the network. And it's why people get so excited about beacons, which is a separate technology, but they put location or they put context on the edge of the network, potentially at least mobile networks can do that context without actually having to install more technology. And so that's why it gets exciting. And Ewan's talked about the direct consumer play here, and that, that's interesting, and I think there is potential there, but I agree with him, the kind of the incumbency effect and the fact there's OTT through WhatsApp and its minions um, is going to make that difficult. But think about the future of the network. is isn't just going to be about the smartphone, the phone that you have. It's also going to be about machine-to-machine every single device you have being connected, it's going to become the ubiquitous network that connects everything together. So you know, Internet of Things, why is that important? Because they actually need to interact with the network in a, a different way. And uh, if we think about there being you know, 
say, six or seven billion devices on the network at the moment. By 2020, there will be 50 billion devices. The average person owns maybe two connected devices at the moment. In that same time period, 2020, they'll probably own 27 connected devices, but they won't actually be aware of owning most of them. And that's where this intelligence in the network and the ability to have this API and the routing will actually become more important. And so perhaps the potential is there on that side rather than in the handsets we think about as being kind of at the forefront of networks today. I did, actually, it's interesting you were saying that. I did see a, a, a product once, I think at Mobile Congress, which was, um, it was to support mobile video streaming. And it was software that was installed in the base station so that it would, because it because the base station knew the speed of the connection between the mast and your phone, which was the problem, it could cache and transcode the the video to a suitable format right at the edge of the network, and it would even it would even preload video down so that it was all waiting for you almost at the cell tower, uh, ready for when you sort of stopped and started playback and things. And that's I suppose that's another example of putting intelligence in in the network. Indeed, uh, another example, just taking Rafe's point here, is if if those twenty seven devices that are all going to be connected by twenty twenty was or twenty fifty, yep. all right. Um, imagine the pair of trainers, right, connected to the network. I don't need to. I can see pairs of trainers. All right. Imagine a pair of trainers that are connected to the network, right? Nike Plus trainers or whatever, right? Um, they might have a a some type of SIM card, a soft SIM card, something that's connecting them to the network, but. From what Dan was saying, what Rafe, Rafe's point here is, theoretically speaking, you don't have to put a GPS chip in those pair of trainers, right? Because as long as they're connected somehow to the network, then the network knows what SIM they're at, where they are. There are some real cool possibilities there. I don't think the location gets that accurate. But no, no, but you don't, what, you know, I don't does, need to know precisely within you know, two meters, but you're generally where I am, or generally where the trainers are. What, what happens for this machine-to-machine stuff is the network effectively becomes invisible because it's ubiquitous, and that, I think, changes the way... I mean, this is why people get so excited about the Internet of Things and kind of the ubiquitous city and smart litter bins and smart pavements and pollution sensors and all of that sort of thing. But that's not going to happen if you don't have... Uh, uh, sort of the network infrastructure that's set up to uh, address these things. I mean, it's actually getting to the ridiculous point where in some places in the US, you've actually got a separate network for the Internet of Things in New York. That shouldn't be happening. It should all be going over the same network. And I think that kind of intelligence, let's say, particularly for me, it's on the edge. I mean, I think you can talk about back in, I think, the you know, routing of calls and text messages is really interesting um, particularly in the enterprise environment, but even on the consumer side, you know, think of WhatsApp. Uh, at the moment, that's tied to your mobile phone number, which is really a, an artifact of the fact these mobile networks aren't intelligent. But if you could have it going into your computer, appearing on the screen on your TV, mm. and you know, equally for, for calling, you know, it's not just about your computer or your soft phone and your mobile phone. That could be in any screen that you happen to be. But wouldn't that be horrifying right the moment that you take the mobile number away from WhatsApp? Because that's the only thing that's keeping people on a phone, you know, connected to a phone. It's, WhatsApp requires your phone number. Well, anyone can be disrupted. Yeah. Okay, so do, you, do we believe, though, that the mobile networks have it in them? Because we've, we've, criticized, them for, uh, we've criticized them for being slow and you know, sort of, let's say conservative with a small c. You know, they, they, I'm sure somebody from a mobile network might tell us that they, they spend a lot of time thinking about quality and stability and reliability and innovation actually isn't the most important thing for them. And Dan has sort of alluded to the fact that actually they could be this sort of 
great kind of machine that all these services can plug into in lots of, of smart ways. But do we believe that they could actually do that? You know, do we do we really believe that that these operators have it in them to to, to open up like that? Because obviously, small small players could could offer these services, but presumably. Um, some, let's say, I know, think about the, the enterprise space, Office 365, something that has presence and communications and status and, and even voice over IP if you, if you use, you know, sort of those kind of services. Um, if that was going to integrate with a mobile network, it needs to be a giant sort of, um, it needs to be something that is, is common across all the mobile networks so lots of people can use it. Services that are just tied to, to the APIs of one network that are bespoke to them won't, won't really have legs, will they? Well, I think it can become a differentiator potentially, and so it wouldn't matter if it wasn't on every network. But I do agree with you, and it actually comes back to what Dan said. It, it, it's you know there isn't an innovation imperative in these big companies; they're the sort of big incumbents, and I, I hesitate to call them lazy because all big companies God. operate in in God that way. Lazy. lazy. Um, we have to wait for the commercial imperative to come along. What's that going to be? It, you know, is that sort of a, a small startup? you know, getting in there and sort of providing these services and suddenly everyone goes, actually, I really want these. And so Vodafone decides it has to do that. That feels unlikely to me simply because it's going to be hard to break in. Well, see, I, I, I don't agree. I reckon, although I'm, I'm the one going, lazy, lazy. I, actually, I think, yeah, they have to focus on quality of service, connectivity, blah, blah, blah. That's fine for these big companies. I reckon you need companies like Simwood, Dan's company, to be showing the way. And then I think that that will help the bigger companies take the, the view that maybe they should be doing some investment there. And I don't disagree. You know, I, I think it would be great and I want to see that happen. But when I'm talking about the commercial imperative, I think the, the big companies will, will see that happening. The question is how quickly will they be able to respond to that and when will it really start mattering? Years. Uh, it's got to be years, right? And it does feel like years. And as I said, it does, for me, maybe come back to this idea of sort of the ubiquitous network, which actually operates well it doesn't operate in a different way it just has to be more intelligent if some of the realization of this you know everywhere connectivity everything being smart and this idea of you know this we always see these kind of visions of the future where everything talks to each other and everything's very smart that that feels like is what will drive it in the end um but i hope it's not like that i mean i really hope that there are some consumer products that come out that use this kind of smart network that we're talking about i just fear that a lot of people will be happy with the good enough because you know it goes back to what ewan said you know they're mindless sheep basically and they're not appreciating the potential <laughs> okay so, I, I, I want to be clear i don't actually say that all mobile phone consumers are mindless sheep thank you very much Blanford. yes i can see ewan's consulting career diminishing rapidly in certain certain <laughs> sectors so uh we've got literally just one or two more minutes then so uh, wrap up the first episode of season seven. Let's go back to our favourite wish list. Uh, what do you want from network operators in the future, you and McLeod? I do like the idea if they can tell me my rough location without having to me having to screw up my battery. You you love the location. I features. really do like that. Um, I, I do like the, the presence that Dan was talking about. I like the idea of multiple devices all with the same connectivity, the same number of some sort. Um, yeah, I think I'd like to see more efficiency around me as a person. Rafe Lanford. Uh, I would love to see kind of software-based SIMs, i.e. not actually having right. to have a SIM card so that I can use multiple devices and pick up whichever one in the morning without having to faff about with 
switching the SIM card, because I do use multiple devices, that, that's how I'm like, and be able to have it married all through one account, still have just the one number and just the one messaging thing coming in. That's kind of, uh, that's the dream for me. Do you think you could ever get to that point where you your phone's out of battery and you get your friend's phone and you log into it oh, that and would it rock. becomes your Wouldn't phone? Wouldn't that be amazing? I'd like to think it would go like that. It, it, again, it sounds um, a bit too much like wishful thinking. I think I'd, I'd really like the... I really like the idea of the network becoming smarter because I, I spend yeah. loads of time working on you know 3G and 4G connections. In fact, you know where I live, I reckon my 3G connection actually gives my fixed line connection a run for its money. So I, I'd love the idea of I'd love the idea of the networks because because now everything is wireless. I can pick. I have a much broader selection. I can't mm. just buy from the guy who happens to have the, the 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 wire in the ground. I can buy from anyone who who is able to sort of put up a transmitter anywhere in the area. And I'd, I, I'd love the idea maybe that actually they could begin to segment the networks in the way that Rafe was talking about, so that I could have a service that was more tailored towards, um, let's say, you know, kind of data volumes mm. and synchronizing things and then i could have another one that is that would be tailored towards perhaps um keeping all my devices at home uh synced in, synced up yeah, for example on, yeah. you know sort of yeah. lo- low low cost low bandwidth but keeping everything ticking over and the idea that that it's not just now kind of if i if i want to um if i if i want to use data on the go i've got to buy the same five gigabytes at the same price uh as I always do, mm. and then I just get whatever speed happens to be available from from the tra- from the from the transmitter where, wherever I happen to be. And I think it's why perhaps why there's been quite poor take up on on 4G in the in the early days because people were being asked to pay a premium for a higher speed network, but they weren't always getting to realise it. But if they if they could get some some guarantees that the network was being managed to give them the give them a differentiated experience. You know, I think what we need to do is see if we can get Dan back later in the series because theoretically speaking, hopefully. He'll have launched a lot of these things. Well, this is this, so. This is episode yeah. one, and we do one of these a week. So I reckon, really, by about episode six, he should have this nailed. And well, if we, he doesn't, it's rubbish. Okay, excellent. Mm. Okay, guys, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time again. Always, ple- it's a pleasure to see you. It's, it's good to be back in the room again, isn't it? I've, I've missed you guys. It is. It's Hugs all around. to be back for season six. All mm. good things. So it's season seven. Seven, season seven. season seven. Yeah. And so uh, I suppose, we, uh, as ever, we should put out our plea that um, you can go to 361podcast.com mm-hmm. or you can go to at 361podcast, leave a comment, or yeah. you could uh, tweet us, or you could go to the um, go to this week's episode's post and you could take a little survey uh, to give us your feedback. So let us know what you're thinking. Mm. Thank you very much, gents. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye.